Section sixty five of A Fair Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gabby Cowan. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Chapter sixty five. A Little Artifice. It did not occur to Lady Doris that in all probability Lord Vivianne would recognize Early. He had seen him once, and once only. That was walking with her, near Brackenside, but his lordship had no eyes then to spare for the rustic lover. He had also known his name, Early Murray, but he was proverbially careless, forgetful and indifferent. It was a question whether he had paid the least heed to it, not thinking it could even interest him. On the day of the dinner party at Hyde House, it had occurred to her that they would meet. They had both been at the Duchess of Eastman's ball, but in a crowded ballroom even friends often failed to recognize each other. How would it be when they met in the same room dined at the same table people would be sure to make some allusion to Early's poems someone would be sure to mention downsbury castle then Early would join in and she would be lost she might by her indifference make him believe that he was mistaken but if he once found out who Early was and that Early was still her lover, she could blind him no longer. Had she met him only at rare intervals, she might have continued to mislead him. Had she met him casually in society, she could have carried on her deception until it was too late for him to injure her. But now that he was coming, as it were, into the very heart of her home, she had less chance if he found about early he would find about her too then well suppose it came this discovery that she dreaded so terribly what would he do if she refused to marry him kill her he had said but that was not so easily done she might compromise and secure her own safety by refusing to marry early and marrying lord vivianne he would keep her secret then. People would only say that she had changed her mind, and say that she was like all these Dudleys, faithless. But she loved Early with all her power of loving, and she hated Lord Vivian with an untold hatred. She said to herself that if she had to save herself from the most terrible death by marrying him, she would not do it she loathed him she would have been pleased to hear that he was dead or anything else dreadful that had happened to him for he had spoiled her life of what use was all her wealth her luxury her magnificence her life to him was spoiled completely spoiled i wish he were dead she said to herself over and over again the toils are spreading around me i shall be caught at last 
she flung her arms above her head with a terrible cry what was she to do she must first of all prevent them from meeting that night they must not dine together at her father's house that was the evil to be immediately dreaded she flung the masses of golden hair back from her white face if i dare but tell early and let him avenge me she thought then she wrote to him a coaxing little note telling him that she had a particular reason for desiring him not to dine at hyde house that evening a reason that she would explain afterward but that she herself desired to see him alone would he come later on in the evening and ask for her she would arrange to receive him in lady linley's boudoir then she rung for a footman in hot haste take this note to mr murray she said never mind how long you have to wait give it into his own hands then bring me the answer oh these lovers sighed the servant what there is to do to please them still he did his best he waited until he saw early put the note in his hand and waited for the answer early only smiled as he read it he was so completely accustomed to these pretty little caprices he had ceased to attach any importance to them he merely wrote in reply that he was entirely at her command you remember the old song my darling thou art my life my love my heart the very eyes of me thou hast command of every part to live and die for thee i will come later on in the evening and see no one but you he laughed as he closed the note i wonder what pretty caprice possesses my darling now he said to himself the man who took the note back wondered at his young mistress her face was quite white her golden hair clung in rich disorder the white hands so eagerly extended to seize the letter trembled and burned like fire they must have had a quarrel he said to himself with a knowing nod as he closed the door they have had a quarrel and my lady wishes to make it all right again it was a reprieve she kissed the little note with a passion of love that was real my darling she said if we could but go away together and as she sat there a sudden memory of the time when she had run away from him came to her she saw the old-fashioned garden at brackenside she saw the great crimson roses and the sheaves of white lilies she saw the kindly face of mattie and heard early singing thou art my soul my life the very eyes of me ah peaceful innocent days blind mad fool that she had been ever to listen to vivian to let him tempt her to let him take her from the innocent happy home what has she gained and ah heaven what had she lost if she could but have foreseen have known how differently she would have behaved 
I am strong, she said, pushing away the golden hair with her white hands. I am strong, but I could not live this life. It would kill me. She sat for half an hour, thinking steadily. Then her resolve was taken. She would tide over the dinner as well as she could, throwing him more and more off his guard. She would see early that evening and tell him that she wanted their marriage hastened, that she was tired of so many lovers and wanted to go away with him, that she was wearied of London life. She knew that Early would be on the alert to serve her. He would manage it all. She had faith in his great love. Then she would tell the Earl that her health and strength were failing her, ask him to take her to Linley Court. Lord Vivian would not dare to follow her there. It was like a haven of rest to her. When the summer came, she would marry Early quietly and go abroad. Then she would be out of her enemy's power. He could no longer hurl her from her high estate or compel her to marry him. She would be another man's wife then, and it would be his place to protect and avenge her. The plan, rapidly conceived, rapidly sketched, was her only resource, her only safety. True, it would spoil her life. The triumphs that she now enjoyed would be hers no longer. She would cease to be the belle of the season, the queen of beauty and fashion. She must lose that part of her life which she valued most, the homage, the adulation, the brightness, and all through him. How her whole soul raged in burning fury against him. If he had been lying there on the ground, her foot on his neck, she would not have spared him. She would have seen him die with pleasure. It did not lessen her anger and her rage that she had to talk to him, to smile and charm him. If a look could kill him, she said to herself, he should die. She longed to be in Italy, where a bravo, for a comparatively small sum, would soon have ended his life. She was obliged to soothe her anger, to still the fierce tempest of rage, to calm her fears, to take an interest in her dress, to smile, to look sweet and winning, with the most vindictive hate in her heart. Then she went into the little drawing-room. Lord Linley went up to her. What a pretty toilet, Doris, he said, white lace and roses. Your taste is simply superb. But ah me, ah me. What is it, papa? she asked as he laughed gently. Early is not coming, my dear. I am afraid you will be disappointed. He has sent a hurried little note to say that it is impossible. He is busy about his election, you know. A few minutes afterward, and Lord Vivian, with a smile on his face, entered the room. Her fingers clutched the flowers she carried so tightly. The thought passed through her mind that if he could have fallen dead over the threshold, it would have been well for her. I shall see him if he comes in later on, she said. A few minutes afterward, he was seated by her side, and they were talking in the most friendly manner. The dinner passed over, 
better than she had hoped early was not mentioned nor did any one allude to downsbury castle lord vivianne had contrived to secure a place by lady studley's side and he did his best to please her she could not help remarking how courteous and gallant was his manner in society she contrasted it with what she had seen of him in florence when dinner was over and they had gone into the drawing-room he bent over the back of her chair lady studley have you forgotten my terrible outburst of the other day yes she replied i have seen much that is amusing since then it was not very amusing to me he said when a man lays bare the core of his heart he does not do it for amusement not for his own perhaps she said but if he does it in your tragic style he cannot help other people being amused i could call you doris he said when you look at me with that piquant smile i hope you will not lord vivianne i should always fancy papa was talking to me did you think i was mad that day in the chestnut grove doris laughed my experience of the world is not very large at present she said whenever i see or hear anything unusual i think it is the fashion of the times ah lady studley i wish i could persuade you to be serious you are always laughing at me tendency to laughter is hereditary with me she said i cannot help it i am afraid that i have no talent for sentiment the only matter i find for surprise is why you should have selected such a very unsuitable character as myself for your confidant i cannot say what may be in store for me but i do not remember that any love affair ever possessed the least interest for me yet you should have a love affair as you call it lady studley in italy where the air is poetry and the wind is music papa said lady studley to the earl who was just passing her chair do you hear lord vivianne's advice no my dear but i do not doubt that it is good he tells me to go to italy to learn a lesson in love that is a sorry compliment to england and the english is it not End of chapter 65 Recording by Gabby Cowan